a sinful king or governmental representative who punishes an innocent person or who inflicts corporal punishment upon a Brahmana is taken by the Yamadutas to the hell named Sukaradmukha, where the most powerful assistant of Yamaraj crushed him exactly as one crushes Shubarkan Cain to squish out the juice. <laughs> the sinful living entity cries very pitifully and faints, just like an innocent man undergoing punishment. This is the result of punishing a faultless person. <laughs> text number 17. This, uh, this text doesn't have purpose, so we will <coughs> read text number 17 in translation. By the arrangements of the Supreme Lord, Lord great living beings like bugs and mosquitoes suck the blood of human beings and other animals. Such insignificant creatures are unaware of their are unaware that their bites are painful to the human beings. However, first class human beings, Brahmanas, Chatriyas and Vaishyas are developed in consciousness and therefore they know how painful it is to be killed. A human being endowed with knowledge certainly commits sinful sin if he kills or tor torments insignificant creatures who has no discrimination. The Supreme Lord punished punishes such a man by putting him into the hell known as Andakupa, where he is attacked by all the birds and the bees, reptiles, mosquitoes, lice, worms, flies, and other creatures he tormented during his life. They attack him from all sides, robbing him of the pleasure of sleep, Unable to rest, he constantly wandered about in the darkness. This, it, thus, in Andakupa, he suffered, his suffering is just like that of a creature in the lower species. Purple. From this very instructive verse, we learn that lower animals created by the laws of nature to disturb the human beings are not subjected to punishment because the human being has developed consciousness. However, he cannot do anything against the principles of Varnashrandharma without being condemned. Krishna states in Bhagavad Gita 4.13 Chatur Varnya Maya Srishta Guna Karma Vibhagataha. According to the three modes of material nature and the work ascribed to them, the four divisions of human society were created by me. Thus, all men should be divided in four classes Brahmana, Vaisha, Brahmana, Chatriya, Vaisha, and Sutras and they should act according to their ordained regulations. They cannot deviate from their prescribed rules and regulations. One of, <clears throat> one of these states that they should never trouble any animal, even those that disturb human beings. Although a tiger is not sinful, if he attacked another animal and eats its flesh. If a man would develop consciousness that so, he must be punished. In other words, a human being who does not use his developed consciousness but instead acts like an animal surely undergoes punishment in many different hells. Lengyen át, Miram Tasha, Gyanán, Gyanám, Szadák, Gyanám, 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 G
our activities to the certain goal. So the knowledge that Bhagavatam and the Vedic knowledge is providing us has that purpose to uplift or uplift our consciousness. Now we are talking about the punishment in the hellish planets and the main topic is punishment. But actually, if we understand that we are in this material world, it's kind of punishment. It's another hell. Compared to what was our place, or what is our original place, the original world, the spiritual world. So being in this material world is just a prison. It's a, a jail, a hell, where we have to receive the punishment of our activities. So within the, the prison, there is another prison, specific ones, this hellish planet. So it's something that we, we need also to clearly understand. And, uh, and this is basically in the influence of the modes of material nature. So everybody who is in this material world, it's influence on those, with these modes. And, um, but we have the opportunity as a human beings to um, endeavor to rise our consciousness, at least not to be overcome by the lower modes of nature, means passion and ignorance. Because the natural tendency of the consciousness is to go to degrade. If we do not endeavor to maintain a specific state of consciousness, naturally it will go down. It's like a <clears throat> the a natural propensity of the water stream of water always will be looking for the lower levels. When the rivers are flowing, they go straight to, to the ocean, because it's the lower level, the same, the, the tendency of the consciousness, if we are not careful, is to degrade to the lower levels. So, naturally the, the modes of passion and ignorance will overcome. If we do not consciously endeavor to maintain a proper state of consciousness, so, but our interior is not enough. But by attending or try to do it, we will attract the mercy of Krishna to uplift, uplift our consciousness. But the interior has to be there. And it has to be constant. If we are careless, uh, after sometimes we will realize that <coughs> our consciousness uh, will be created. So in that way, for example, based on this principle, the Bhagavatam is describing how um, the, the Krishna arranged a system for correcting that tendency. We, we can use the word punishment, so-called punishment. But in order just to help the living entity to correct, to rectify and uplift the consciousness, so, based on the um, principle of fear under the most of nature, for example, for people who are <coughs> under the influence of mode of ignorance, the fear to go to hell or to be uh, under the, in poverty or disease, that is very painful. I don't want to go to hell. But it's mainly for people who are under the influence of most of ignorance. But for, for example, for people who are more, mostly influenced for, or by the modes of passion, uh, the fear of losing the possessions that they have, or perhaps losing the opportunity to go to a better place, Swagandoka or the heavenly planets, perhaps. So there are some restrictions there or regulations that is prescribed in the Vedas. Or for example, for people who are more in the modes of uh, goodness, it, it's a little bit subtle. Uh, the, the motivation to be engaged in a 
um, activities that uplift the consciousness is placed more in the fear not to uh, fulfill their uh, duties, for example. The sense of duty is very strong in people who are in the mode of goodness. So fear that I, I'm not doing my duty, so I'll try to follow the rules and regulations, and in that way I'll maintain or outlive my consciousness. So fear is a very uh, important factor in this case that motivates us to engage, engage ourselves in different prescribed activities with the purpose to uplift our consciousness and that all are prescribed in Vedas. So the Vedas describe a gradual uh, elevation of consciousness and also the quickest one. And uh, in the previous text also, and whole Bhavatan is giving us tips and guidance how we can quickly uplift our consciousness. And uh, we know what is that? The quickest process? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Bhakti. We engage in the ocean and say, yes, that's right, Bhakti. And this is clearly established by, uh, for example, very soon we will touch this point in Sixth Canto, when uh, the pastime is the conversation between the Jamalutas and Jamalash. When the Jamalutas wanted to drag a Jamil, punish a Jamil, and the Vishnudutas stopped them, and but Jamalutas they were surprised. Well, what is happening? Because this person is so sinful, so he has to go to hell. He deserves to go to hell. And in that confusion, the Jamalutas asked uh, Jamalutas, "What's happening? Because..." Dharma is established by the Vedas, no? Dharma, Veda, Pranita. See, that's the way how the Yamalutas ask Yamaraj. And do you remember what is the answer that Yamaraj said? What is the answer? In the previous text, in last class, yesterday class, Prabhupada's is in the purpose that actually the Dharma is established, it says Dharma Stu Saksar Bhagavad Pranita. That is in six Canto text, chapter 6, text 12, if I'm not wrong, where Krishna has established clearly that it said that actually. The dharma, the prescribed dharma for uplifting the consciousness is clearly and directly established by the Supreme Personality of God. Nobody else can do it. No the, no the Vedas, no the demigods, no Brahma, no the human beings. So only who established the principles of Dharma is God, the Supreme Personality of God. And Krishna clearly established in the Bhagavad Gita as well that what is the principle of the constitutional position of the living entity by being engaged in that activity that he will obtain his original position or regain his constitutional position as being engaged in original service. So this is very important principle to understand. Um, in that regard, I would like to redirect our uh, discussion today, trying to understand how Krishna established, how caring and especially protective Krishna acts to help us to regain our state of consciousness, to help us to Oh, no perishes. In the Bhagavad Gita chapter 9, there is a very important text that describes the mood of Krishna trying to protect his devotee because as a practicing devotees, we understand that we are still struggling in our conditional state. We are not pure devotees yet. 
So, because we are still conditioned under the laws of nature, it said that the living entity has four defects. Do you remember what are the four defects? Illusion. Being illusion, yeah. Then you commit mistakes. Commit the tendency commit mistakes. The senses are imperfect. The senses are imperfect and cheating. The cheating propensity. The idea basically is because we are in illusion and we have limited uh, our senses and have limited uh, perception, so we will have the tendency to commit mistakes because never will be perfect in this conditional state. And because of that, we have the tendency to, go, to cheat others and ourselves, starting from cheating ourselves, deceiving ourselves. So that is the natural propensity of a conditional living entity, conditioned in a conditional state. So that we can expect that we will commit mistakes. And as a practice in the world, it's because we are not still in a pure stage of consciousness. So, there is no question that uh, if we will fall down or not. The, the, the idea is when we will fall down, because our tendency to commit mistakes is there. So, in that way, understanding that propensity of us to commit, commit, commit mistakes or the tendency to make it mistakes is, and is there. How we can solve this? Because we are talking about, about punishment and rectifying the consciousness. <clears throat> so Krishna nicely organized some aspects how these corrective measurements happen, and especially for his devotees. So there is one text in the Bhagavad Gita that describes the mood of Krishna that we mentioned. That is in the chapter 9. Do you remember that special text that Krishna very boldly said and uh, that can inspire, give us motivation? That my devotee never perishes? Yeah, yeah, my devotee never perishes. But there is previous text to that, very beautiful text that uh, can give us the confidence that Krishna in a loving mood, he is always protecting us. 922. Yeah, it's a uh, So Krishna very boldly said, even if one commits the most abominable action, if he is engaged in devotional service, he is to be considered saintly because he is properly situated in his determination. So it, this is very important text for us to understand what is the mood actually of Krishna and how it should be our mood as well. Krishna, he is the supreme, perfect living entity, the father of all living entities, and he doesn't um, deny or punish or uh, regret the living entity. What he's trying to encourage us, even if we commit abominable actions, if we still continue in the practice of our devotion and service, Krishna will help us to regain our consciousness, our proper state of consciousness. There is a hope for us. And, and not just that, Vishwanathar uh, Chakravarti Thakur Maharaj, in the, the, in the comments of the next text, when Krishna tells Arjuna, uh, declare boldly by my devotee, never perish. It's another uh, attempt of Krishna to show his a strong conviction and faith in his devotee. My devotee never perish. Why? Because I'll be protecting him. I'll protect him. And Vishwanathar uh, Chakravarti Thakur comment in this chat, in this text, saying that the, the, the feeling of remorse, the fire of that remorse that the devotee 
experience when he commits a mistake is so strong that burned all the reaction of the sin, of the sinful activities, the remorse that the devotee has. And naturally the devotee will again be situated in devotional practice and endeavor to correct that tendency. But we should always remain, remember that the tendency to commit mistake is there. But if we endeavor, Krishna will help us. So if Krishna has that vision towards us, that we are always the tendency to fail because that it looks like a is part. I don't know if you realize, but from my side, I'm completely sure that I have the tendency to commit a lot of mistakes, and it's most probably most of us. It's kind of general rule that applies because we are still in the conditional state. But Krishna has that approach, and understanding that point of our conditional state, how we should look to others' mistakes, how we should appreciate or see when another devotee commits mistakes. Can we judge? Can we punish? Can we do something like that? If Krishna, the Supreme Perfect Being, has a vision of loving and protecting the living entity and having the opportunity, giving the opportunity to rectify. And his approach is, even if so the body committed abominable acts, he should be considered a saint if he remained practicing Krishna consciousness. So many of us in our endeavor of practicing Krishna consciousness uh, because of our still no pure consciousness, state of consciousness, we commit mistakes, but we are still practicing Krishna consciousness. So we should be very careful how we see the mistakes of other devotees as well. And Prabhupada very nicely in the purpose of this text, the Apichetsurachalo, explain why is that tendency to commit mistakes? Because he said that in our conditional state, Prabhupada said, says that um, we have the conditional tendency, conditional position, due, due to, if we can call that dharma and swadharma, our conditional situation and our constitutional situation. As a practicing devotee, we experience this. As a constitutional position, we are trying to be engaged in devotional service and uh, with a nice dedication, but at the same time, because we are still in a conditional state uh, under the influence of the mode of nature, of the body conception, conception of life, so we have some swadharma, so, uh, conditional circumstance. So sometimes, it happened that the conditional situation and the constitutional activities of the living entity of the devotee can parallel go and then that creates a wholesome situation for a devotee. But sometimes the, the constitutional position and the conditional activities, they don't match, they conflict. In that circumstance, is that we have a mistake, we commit mistakes, we, we do wrong to others and um, sins. But the main important point is that the devotee understands his condition and his state, his situation, and he has the figure, he, he repents, he has remorse, and that um, feeling. A push is a push for a devotee to rectify, and each time he's trying to endeavor because our conditioning is not from just this lifetime. We have been here for thousands and millions of lifetimes. It's not, it's not something that we can eradicate easily. Okay, now I'm telling Hare Krishna and I'm 
and be perfect from today onwards because I am still having the influence of my my wife, my life from the previous my previous mistake, previous life. So even my chanting is not appropriate. Even the execution of my emotional service, it's not in a high level that it should be. Understanding this point, okay, so we we have to develop that so, uh, humility, that submissive also attitude that is important. Because I understand that I'm conditioned, I must be humble. If, but if we don't remember that oh that we have this luggage, this impediment, and we consider that we are perfect or pride is blocking us, and that pride also is making us to judge others. But, but if we always remember that we are full of faults, so naturally humbleness would be there, humility would be there, and we would be also compassionate with others, because we would realize that they also are struggling in the same situation that I am. And I have my difficulties with the most of nature, my desires, my bad tendencies, Others are the same in the same situation. So we won't judge in a negative way, but we will be more compassionate and also trying to help. And that is the spirit that Krishna is, is displaying in this path. And it, for example, here in Bhagavad very clearly Krishna very boldly said that my devotee will never perish. Even if he does or commit a very abominable mistake, but if he remains in emotional service, he should be considered a saint. So very, very important point. And also, uh, it's uh, some past times how, for example, Bhagavatam is full of descriptions of devotees uh, in the process of uplifting their consciousness, commit a lot of mistakes. Of faults, stories of devotees who commit a lot of faults, a lot of mistakes. But it's not just that. Also, Bhagavan shows us the prescribement of how to recover, how to uplift the consciousness, how we can rectify our mistakes. So, in that sense, Bhagavan gives us the proper knowledge, idea for all of us. For example, um, he said that Krishna, in his very compassionate, forgiving, and loving mood, he uh, deals with his body uh, in different uh, levels. Prabhupada explained that Krishna sees the less, the, the, the very less, uh, the very less quality of his body and he rewarded with a big, the highest reward. He gives the highest reward. That is the standard of the Krishna's character. So, so compassionate. And uh, he said that, for example, uh, we have the tendency to act the activity and also the intention behind the activity. For Krishna, uh, for example, if a devotee do a wrong activity but his intention is good, Krishna won't see the wrong act, the wrong activity. Krishna will appreciate his good intention behind that, and he will will happy with that and help the devotee gradually to rectify the action. But for Krishna, means about the intention. There are other cases, for example. Do you remember any case that uh, the devotees they, they in a good intention but they did wrong activity? Ambarish Maharaj. Do you think Ambarish Maharaj was wrong activity and good intention? Yeah, good intention. And wrong activity? Ambarish Maharaj? According to Durvasa, it was wrong. Perhaps from for, for, for Durvasa point of view? Yes, and we, another case, for example, wrong activity, but the intention was good. Uh, Vishma? 
fighting with the in the battlefield of Kurukshetra, fighting, but the intention was to please Krishna. And even he was fighting with Krishna, and Krishna was enjoying that. Externally, from the external point of view, we can see Vishma was doing wrong. But internally, Krishna was enjoying the, the loving exchange with Vishma there. And all that wrongdoing, but in good intention, could be, for example, when Mother Jasua was chastising Krishna, for the, trying to chase him with a stick. But what was the intention behind? In her loving uh, mood, as a motherly, she, was, she wanted to correct Krishna. And Krishna was enjoying that pastime too. Uh, another example, for example, <coughs> described very beautifully in Bhavata with the giant Vijay, when the uh, Kumaras came to see the lotus feet of the Lord, this Jai uh, Vijay, they did wrong, they did kind of offense to the, the pure devotees. No, you cannot come here. They, they stopped them. And, it, it, and we know the Kumaras, they were very upset and even cursed them. But just at that moment, Krishna, he rushed to come to that point that even Garuda, he said that Garuda was trying to, to carry the Lord, but the Lord was so desperate that just ran quickly and Garuda running behind Krishna. And when they arrived, Krishna, uh, well, this is a pastime beautiful narrated by my brother, um, Raman Prabhu, he said that Krishna, in order, when they arrived, Garuda and Krishna, Krishna was touching the shoulder of Garuda <laughs> and to say, oh, okay, don't worry, Garuda, because Garuda said, please, please allow me, I, I can take you. But Krishna was so in a, in a hurry that he couldn't wait, that he just ran. And Garuda running, and when they arrived, Krishna was touching his shoulder in order to convey the message that, don't worry, we appreciate your service. He said, everything's fine. We are happy with your service mood. So, but because the Lord was in a hurry, these two devotees, Jai and Jai, were in a, in having difficulties. And Krishna said, my devotee never perish. I have to protect my devotees. So in that way, uh, Krishna apologized to, to the Kumara and said, please, uh, my, my devotees did something wrong to you. Um, I'm taking the responsibility of that. But at that point, the, the Jai Vijay, they said, my Lord, no, we did a mistake, we accept the punishment. No, they acknowledge, they, it's not like they justify. They acknowledge their mistake, they say, okay, we, we recognize we did wrong, uh, we, are, we, we are willing to receive the punishment, yeah, we will do as you say. That was the attitude of the the Jai Jai, and uh, but by seeing the mood of the Lord and the Jai Jai, the Kumaras they realized their mistake. They said, "Wow, we came here to see the Lord." Um, but the Lord said something very important. They said, "Sorry, my 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 devotees, they offend you. Uh, actually, I'm the respons responsible of this." So I'll do whatever is needed to rectify that. If you want, you can cut my two arms. No problem, because to, to please you, I'm willing to do that. By the attitude of the Lord and the, the Jai Vijay, the Kumaras, they realized their mistake and they say, no, no, my Lord, actually, we did wrong. We, we just died your devotees and now we, are, we came to see you, your, you're not to speak, but what we are doing, we are cutting your arms because indirectly Krishna manifested that Jai Vijaya had the two arms, of his two arms, and by, uh, by cursing them, is that they are cutting the Lord's arm. And because the Kumaras are intelligent people, 
They relaxed their mistake and they were apologizing, they were, please forgive me, forgive me, my Lord, forgive us. And, but it didn't stop at that point because Krishna told to Jai Vijay, okay, if you, you will go to the material world three lifetimes, but I will not be with you alone. I, I will go alone with you. I'll be also taking three times birth only to be with you. Because for a devotee, for Jai Vijay, it was a fear, a very big fear. He said, okay, we will go to material world three lifetimes, but we have a request. Do you remember what's the request? What was the request that Jai Vijay asked before going to the material world for all us think about it? That's right. Always remember the Lord. Please allow us always to remember Him. And that is actually the biggest fear for a devotee. In the Chaitanya Rita, a nice class of um, uh, this Prabhu, Radha Prabhu, he mentioned, for a devotee, uh, the biggest fear is that uh, forget Krishna and be away from the devotee's association. There is nothing more like that, not, nothing more painful like that. And uh, there's a conversation between Ramananda Roy and Lord Chaitanya. When Lord Chaitanya was asking the different, the highest, high level devotion and service, and also Lord Chaitanya asked, what is the most painful and uh, painful situation, the, the highest suffering for a devotee? And uh, Ramananda Roy said, Apart from being away from devotees, from, from the Lord and His devotees, I do not know the highest, uh, unbearable, the, the most unbearable uh, unhappiness than this. That is Ramananda Roy replies. And we see in the Chaitanya Tamrita all the interactions with the devotees. When Lord Chaitanya went to go to South India, he didn't want to go with all his devotees, his associates. But they wanted to go with him. And the simple fact to, to think about the Lord is going, it was very painful for them. He said that Sarvabhamavatacharya, when he saw the Lord going, Sarvabhamavatacharya fainted. He couldn't tolerate that. It the same when Gadadhar Pandit when Lord Chaitanya was going to Vrindavan, Gavadar Pandit, as we know, he was very much attached to the Lord, and then he took the vow of Chaitra Sanyas and in Puri, and was worshipping Tatagopinaditi. And when Lord Chaitanya was going to Vrindavan, he was ready to leave that vow of Chaitra Sanyas to follow Lord Chaitanya. He was in his way behind Lord Chaitanya, and Lord Chaitanya said, What are you doing? Come back, go back to, to you did your vows. It would be very difficult. How? What, what people will say? Not you go back. And with all pain in his heart, with that suffering, Gadadharman has to go back. And when he saw the Lord Chaitanya going, he again faint. He, he fainted, so he couldn't tolerate that. And in one way, in some degrees, you notice, and now we can experience that with the lockdown, for example. Many devotees, they were experiencing in some degree this, not able to come to see the Lord physically to the temple, not able to come to do their service, and with so much eagerness, they were trying to, devotees are trying to even be more online classes, trying to find ways how to be in association of devotees, because it's so painful to think about not being in association of devotees. That for a devotee, that is the biggest pain. And he said that how um, the pain is according to the level of consciousness. Where you are low in ignorance, the pain is more gross, physical, but 
how much your consciousness is elevated, the subtler, the subtler the suffering, it's more painful. For a devotee, that the consciousness is pure and elevated, the pain of it in separation of the Lord and his devotees is the highest pain that he can imagine. Physical pain can be tolerated, but the subtler one, that is really more painful. And uh, another example about the Krishna's mood is Krishna not just see the action and intention as we saw, we saw before, the wrong action and good intention, but in the case of, for example, when there is good action and wrong intention, Krishna also see the good action and it just avoid or doesn't want to see the bad intention. Do you remember any case of good action and no good intention? Any case of that in the Bhagavatam? The classic example is uh, with the Putana. Putana has a bad intention. Putana, the bad intention was to kill the Lord, but the good action was to feed the Lord. And Krishna just wanted to see that. And that was so amazingly, beautifully described and appreciated by Uddhava when he was talking with Vidura. And so he, he said, who, who can be more merciful than my, my Lord, who gave the the position of a mother to the demon, a Bhutana demon, who wanted to kill him. So Krishna sees the good action and not the bad intention. And the same with Ajamil, we will read very soon. Ajamil, the good action was? That he called out Narayan. Yeah, he called out Narayan, the name of the Lord, but his intention was to call the Lord? No, his intention was to call his son. But Krishna just wanted to see their good action. That is another point. How, how we can see the Krishna, how he sees. Another case, another level is when if it's wrong action and wrong intention, if Krishna, how Krishna takes in that case? If a devotee does something wrong, and a good, bad intention, how Krishna will address that? Krishna will forget, will forgive? Krishna will do it. Because if the devotee repent, if the devotee said, oh my Lord, please forgive me, I have this bad, bad tendency because of my bad tendency, devotees are ashamed of me probably because my bad tendency, please forgive me, I did this wrong activity. And we have the cases in Bhagavatam. Do you remember any case in Bhagavatam where there was a wrong action and wrong intention? Uh, Indra. Indra is the perfect example. He wanted to kill the uh, inhabitants of Vrindavan, Krishna's associate, and his intention was that, and he did it, he tried. But, Krishna forgave, forgave him. Why? Because he repented. And there is a specific process for that. It's not just, oh my Lord, I'm sinful and please forgive me. It's not just that. There is a prescribed method in Bhagavatam. Approaching to the devotee and the devotee. How to go to the Lord with Sulavi and trying to enjoy and rectify his his attitude, eh? he, he did it. And Krishna forgave him. Krishna forgave him. And there is another case when Krishna doesn't forgive, that doesn't forgive directly. Do you know what is the case? Krishna, he can't forgive, unfortunately. It's the case when we commit offenses to his devotees. Okay. Krishna doesn't forgive that. 
that unfortunately that is the case, and we need to be aware of this. Krishna doesn't for, forgive if we wrong another devotee, and if we offense the devotee, offenses to Vaishnavas. But Krishna helps us how to rectify that. Krishna will address, and do you know what is the solution for that? That's right. The only way how we can be forgive, for, forgive, forgiven from our wrongness is to ask forgiveness to the devotee. But Krishna will guide us how we can ask forgiveness to the devotee and then Krishna will forgive us only in that way. Krishna also intervenes in that way. And the classic example is Ambarish Maharaj and Durvasa Muni and Ambarish Maharaj. Durvasa Muni, for example, his attitude was quite interesting. When he uh, cursed Ambarish Maharaj and he was trying to chastise him uh, because he thought he was right, uh, as Priyamata said, he thought that he was doing, uh, Ambarish Maharaj was wrong and he punished or tried to punish him. From, the, from his point of view, he, he did it, he thought, and, but when he saw the Sudarshan chakra coming to kill him, he was running to look for shelter. And he went to Lord Shiva Lord Rama to ask for shelter, for help. And what they said, no, I, we cannot do it. But um, the boy somebody said, why? I'm, I'm, I'm a Muni, I'm, I'm, I'm a sage, I, can have, I have the power to, to do it, it's, it's my position. And sometimes we have that tendency, you know, when we do some run to some devotees, we try to justify our activity, our attitude, our action, looking for a shelter, we talk to others, trying to just justify our attitude, and we don't recognize our mistakes. So it's the same like Durvasa was doing it. He, he, he didn't go to, in, uh, to Lord Shiva and Lord Rama saying, I'm sorry, I did wrong, please help me. No, he was just looking for shelter because Sudarshan Chakra was uh, chasing him. But he's, in his mind was still the consciousness, no, I did wrong, I, I, I deserve protection. And even with that attitude, he went to Vishnu. Krishna and Krishna guide him what is the only solution and then he realized his mistakes and he went and received the proper the, the solution for his uh, difficulties this is an example this is a brief touching about the mood of Krishna how he uh, organized how he deals with his devotees uh, can be a motivation for all of us, uh, the confidence that Krishna will help us and inspire us for engendering more in reaching or, or trying to maintain a proper state of consciousness. Uh, yes, we commit mistakes, we have a tendency, but if we engender with sincerity, with humility, requesting help to the Lord, naturally, gradually, we will elevate our consciousness and we will receive the, the help of Krishna and then also help each other. Help each other is more important that way. So I stop in this, uh, this point. So any comment, any questions? Yes, what is it? Hi Krishna, thank you for the class. Not work. Um, perhaps you can repeat it if it's needed. Um, you said the natural tendency of consciousness is to flow downwards. Yeah. Is that true for all ages as well, like Satya Yuga, and also like does it depend upon the association around us and that sort of thing? Yeah, well, the question is, uh, we mentioned that the natural tendency of the consciousness is to degrade, to go down. And uh, is that, uh, 
through relics of Sanya Yuga or other sensation that we have? That is the question. Yes, uh, well, as we mentioned, the natural tendency when we are careless, that is very important. The, when we are careless, the natural tendency of the consciousness is degraded. Why? Because the influence of most of nature on, on us. And that will go down because the influence of the lower modes of nature. And in the Bhagavad Gita, in the te text, uh, I think it's chapter 16, text uh, 19, or text, where it is described the three gates to hell. Yeah, Trivid, Trividan, Narakas, Vedan, Duaran, the gate, Duaran, Nasanan, Atmana, Kama, Kroda, Tata, So these three gates, no, these the three gates of the, sorry, the three modes of nature, when we are in the, under the influence of these three modes of the, especially the lower modes of nature, this passion and ignorance, the three gates to the health is open to us, not the Dora three gates, Loba, Kroda, and Loba, sorry, Kama, Kroda, and Loba. And they, they will drag us naturally because the most of nature influence there. So for that reason, we have to be very careful and renounce even that. Not those. Be very careful. When we are careless, that is the tendency. But for maintaining our state of consciousness, we need to, to endeavor a bit, not just a bit, so sometimes we struggle. But in that way, by endeavoring, we attract the influence of the good, the mercy of the bodies and Krishna. And you mentioned about the association. Yes, to my, we endeavor to stay in association of the bodies, then we receive the benefit of that, the protection to maintain and live our consciousness. But if we don't remain, or if we do not endeavor to be in a good association, so the tendency is to the consciousness to degrade. So we need to understand that principle. It's not just, okay, uh, uh, I won't do think, uh, I won't do anything wrong, I just stay aloof from the bodies and I'll be okay. No, it doesn't happen like that. Because time will come and you, you, you didn't even notice and you, you remain away from the Godis Association for the Spiritual Practice because again the most of nature has influence of us. And what to say? If you are not in association of the Godis, so you will be in association of not the Godis. Yeah. And that, that environment, those things, is influence of us. Yeah, it has a lot of influence on us. Well, that is my humble attempt to answer your question, and I hope it's okay. Mm -hmm. Another question? Yeah, another question, yes. Um, so, when a person advances the progress for someone in mode of ignorance, for him to come to bhakti, it's through passion, goodness, and then to higher modes like that, or can he come straight to? Yes, that's a good question. The Vedas describe um, uh, different methods for uplifting the consciousness. The gradual process and the quickest one, as we say. Yes, uh, uh, for the Varnashan Dharma, for example, is another way to uplift the consciousness, the rules, following the rules and regulations, according to your Varnan and Ashram, that gradually will take you to the highest level of consciousness. But we also know that there is a prescribed um, injunction from the Vedas of Bhakti, Bhakti Yoga, the chanting the holy name of the Lord, association of the bodies, and this process accelerates the, the, the uplifting of consciousness just very quickly. We don't have to go in that gradual uh, process that can take a lot of lives and lives, lifetimes. 
But by endeavoring indeed engaged in devotion and service, in good association of devotees, and practicing the, the prescribed uh, process, like chanting the holy name of the Lord, listening and reading Bhagavatam, Krishna, deep worship, association of devotees. So we have the Panchanya Bhakti, yeah? Being as deity worship, sorry, chanting the holy name, being an association of devotees, really studying Bhagavatam, uh, living in the holy land, and deity worship, yeah? The five uh, angles that can facilitate, accelerate our uplifting of consciousness. Yeah. And can be a success in just one lifetime. That's very important to know. Okay, if there is no any more questions, comments, any questions, Prabhu? I think this Vaisnava Aparada, similar incident uh, with this Jagayan Madai uh, hitting uh, Nityananda Prabhu. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Another pastime, Vaisnava Aparada and Jagayan Madai, and by asking for forgiveness and the mercy of a devotee that it can be uplifted quickly and we know that Jagaya and Malai became a saint, they become saints and right even now there is a God where people go and receive asking blessings from Jagaya and Malai as a saint as saints yeah well thank you so much for the comment Gracias, Ramón. Tranquilo. Chao.